The word of the Lord came against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, says God. O shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the crippled you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there were no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of God. As I live, says God, because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of God. Thus says God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to the feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Thus says God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when some of his sheep have been scattered abroad, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the fountains, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and upon the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture, They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on fat pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the crippled, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will watch over. I will feed them in justice. Word of God. Michael Kampoor is my best friend. He's my partner, and we run an orphanage together in Kenya. And, uh, when I went to visit him in uh, December, he asked me what we were going to do about all these kids that he had. He had about 150 kids there, and, uh, and he said, we need more donations. We need an NGO to help us, to channel all our funds. And I was just sitting in his bed, and he was lying on the floor next to his bed on the ground because I was really tired. Um, And I said, Michael, I think the House of Mercy will help us. 
They just seem like the kind of people that would be really into this kind of thing. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, I think they'll help us. And you guys really have. And Michael would like to say thank you. Hi, Jumbo. Okay, I think what I'll do, I'm going to preach in Kiswahili, my own language. I think it will be, it will be, that is the language I can do better. So, yeah. Hmm. I'm Michael, and I'm really honored to stand before you and in the presence of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to take this opportunity to share with you or to give you my appreciation on behalf of little children in the northern part of Kenya in a small God's workshop called Daylight. So I come, I, I bring their greetings because in the, the name House of Mercy is a name they know too well in that little God's workshop, as we call it. So it's so humbling to be at the site, the House of Mercy. We've all been praying for you with those small little people, and they send their greetings. Receive them in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let's wave at each other. <laughs> okay, thank you. In, in Kenya, we say, Buana sifiwe, and then you say, Amen. So I'm going, I, I promise I would, I would do it in Swahili, correct? Okay, I'll just say, Go, Buana sifiwe, then you go, Amen. All right? Okay, Buana sifiwe. Buana sifiwe. Asante sana. Thank you very much. Okay. I want to begin by saying this. I'm really privileged and honored to be here. The reason why I'm here, God knows it better. I'm not elsewhere, but I'm right here. And in my, I feel we are, I'm right here because of one denominator. You love Jesus Christ. You, really, you do love Jesus Christ. And I want to take this opportunity uh, to invite you so that we can look at this man, Jesus Christ, from a, a different lens, okay? Yeah, Jesus through the lens of a hard's boy or a shepherd where I was when I grew up. So we will be going that road for, a few, for about 10 minutes, I know. Time factor here is a real issue, so I'll try to stick to it, okay? Before, I can, before we can put on those lenses and we go together, I want to take this opportunity to give you again a big thank you on behalf of those little people for coming our way, listening to it, and jumping onto it without even having a complete I mean, picture. I want to thank Pastor Debbie and Russell. We got your name before we could even meet. 
and you wrote me a good letter that I took to the U.S. Embassy that really uh, allowed me to have a visa to visit your great country. It's quite a process. It's not easy to get to America. <laughs> so uh, your letter, I mean, went a long way. It was well done, and they saw the reason. Yeah, so I want also to thank um, the board of uh, the board of board of the committee for this church for allowing us to be part of you and adopting these children in a big way. Then uh, there is a gentleman called Rick who's been helping us with our finances. So with your help, Rick, I want to say thank you. And then we also have uh, a, a number of people helping out Nate with the planning and ideas, suggestions, you know, brainstorming. And quite of those people come from this congregation. Somebody like Luke and Rachel Finsas, Brianna uh, Manning, who is the chair, the, the, I mean, the chairman for uh, Nate. Then I would like to make a special mention of a young man that Nate shared me a story. He's called Asha Lassen. Asha Lassen is, uh, I understand, he's 14 years. I haven't met him. He's 14 years. And he got the story and organized in his own way a, a fund drive or he raised some money, $200. So I think I should really take this moment to say, lesson, wherever you are, thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> then, okay, another special mention is for a, a girl or a young lady from Germany called Bianga. So I ran into Bianga when I got here after visiting uh, Emily, Nathan's girlfriend, and we talked. I, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I thought she was an American, she said she's a German. So after our, I mean, getting to know each other, she offered to, to I don't know what happened, but she said, wow, she looked at the Daylight website and said, wow, Germans should get this story. So she changed the, she translated the website into German. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks a lot. Yes. Let's look at Jesus through a different lens, not forgetting, of course, all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you again. Okay, Jesus through a different lens. Uh, from the reading we, ju we just had, I've read it quite a couple of times. I've gone to that scripture quite a number of times because I see it really gives me, that is how I first met Jesus Christ. When I went to this uh, feeding camp, which I went to, and that is how a new page, a new chapter in my life began, the, first, the pastor presented Jesus or shared about Jesus as a shepherd. Yeah, that Jesus is a good shepherd. Okay, there are several kinds of shepherds, but he is a good one. It really hit a, a knot because I remembered when I grew up, it was a very difficult uh, time for me. And to have survived and have, to have lived to tell the story is a true testimony on how incredible Jesus is as a shepherd. 
And uh, yeah, you are being here is also a testimony like that he's a, tr- he's a great shepherd. I call Jesus a super shepherd, a good shepherd, a super one, an extreme makeover. <laughs> yeah, so, but um, Jesus is a super shepherd with a capital S. How I, when I was growing up, I grew up among the Pokot people. Pokot is a nomadic tribe in the northern part of Kenya. And naturally, by default, young boys like me then grow up to become shepherds or herds boys. They take animals out there. So that part I know very well, the way Americans know computers and internet and Facebook. So I knew that part, taking care of animals out there. But it is quite something else if out there is a risky undertaking. There are wild animals, the lion, the leopards, the, the, the cheetahs, and then there are human beings. The other tribes who want the same cows through what we call cow jacking or cattle rustling, they kill herds boys, then they drive away animals. So when the pastors uh, presented Jesus as the good shepherd, you can now realize it hit a knot. Then I say, yeah, because who watches over the, who watches over the shepherds then? That's, that is how he really rang a bell. Yeah, he was the one watching over the shepherds, and he was the one who watched over me. Even though there were other, I was lucky, of course, to have survived, the others were un- unlucky, and they were killed by the other tribes. So growing up in that context was a difficult thing for me, but I thank Jesus for staying close and really watching over me. And uh, all, the, all the time until I got out of, of the woods, and this is how I came out of the woods, as I was growing up, with these cows, driving them about and around in a place, of course, that is so harsh climatically. Instead, you got snow, but there, the sun is just so much that it dries up everything. No water, no water. It's dust and heat. And when that is the case, even coming about around some food or water or even green trees is a at, at one part of the year, it's very hard to come by any trees with leaves or whatever. So it's a tough world. That is why the people are nomadic. They move around. So there were so many challenges then. That of hunger, of starvation, of diseases, of all those things. And Jesus was there and saw me through that. So as we were going about and around, Jesus was always close. There were cases where we were at great danger of being killed in this cattle wrestling thing, where the tribes fight over cows and they kill each other. While I was young, I saw, people, I saw many people killed, and the killing even still continues even now. But like I told you, God, for his own defined uh, plan, he saw me through that, and, uh, the, and this is how it happened. At one point, we had to move from our village, and we moved for several uh, miles 
into Uganda, but we didn't have the Uganda in our mind then. It was just open land. When we went there, we, we, went, we had moved so close to another tribe called Karamoja, and one night we came under attack. And when that happened, our village was ran over by the Karamoja, and we lost all the animals. They took all animals and killed people. Some of them were killed too. So that was really to become my turning point because there were no animals. All Hardest Boys were, didn't have something to do. So the whole village was scattered. People went different ways. And me and other, my other friends, my other Hardest Boys or Shepherds and I went our, a different way. And really, the Lord really, we kept going. We kept going until we ended up in a very far away place where for the first time we found a wide path. That wide path was something unusual. We had not seen such a thing. Our paths that the trails, cow trails and people trails are smaller, but this one was wider. That was in a case, a track, what do we call a track trail, you know, like a road in there somewhere. So when we found this unusual wide path, we started arguing. And then immediately something approached from the horizon and it kept coming with a booming sound. Well, it was supposedly a truck, but who had seen a truck in the first, I mean, at the, before? We were, bunch, and, uh, we were about 70 or 60 hardest boys, you know, with our, uh, some people had arrows and bows, others had spears. And the younger one had just a stick, a walking stick. I had the walking stick, you know. So, and, uh, you know, no sooner the, the, the vehicle, the truck was there. When it came there, it was a standoff because we could never make something out of it. It wasn't an elephant. It wasn't a giraffe. It wasn't like a, a buffalo. So what was, it was something strange, seeing a truck for the first time. Scary as it was, what was to follow was even scarier. Because when it stood, then the door was open. We were watching this, I mean, speechless, and a being came out. What I call a being was, at that time, not a human being, looked so different, long hair, long nose, with some clothing, different. Okay, in our worldview then, white people were not in our worldview, okay? We thought all people in the world were pokot maybe black and short hair, and that was the whole world we had. Yeah, but you know what? We were seeing a white person for the first time. So, and it was a very, very scary thing, more than even the wild animals. <laughs> yeah, so when they came out, we literally ran for our life. We really ran away. And you, that was the only time we realized even the older hardest boys forgot they had arrows and spears, they ran. So, and I think uh, where the all fear came from is in our Africa, in our fairy tales. We have fairy tales that we were told around the fireplace about some people from space or underground that they are called orcas, O-G-R-E, orca. Yeah, orca are supposed to be very strange you, creatures, green, with green skin, long hair. So 
Yeah, seeing the white person for the first time, you know, from out of the blues was just like, wow, we are face to face with the orca in real life, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you know, as things would have it, as in, after that commotion, that was to be the person God had sent our way. Yeah, God had sent this person to come over because we went with him and there was a feeding camp that everybody came and so much happened, we got food and in the process we end up in school. So that is God opening a whole new chapter of my life from the nomadic and tribal one and all the way to schooling. So I went to school and I was, my other friends and I happened to be the first people to go, in, to, go to school. Yeah, some dropped in on the, on the way as cows were found, I mean, some years down the road, but a number of us continue. So I was able to go to school, go to high school, and leave that, left that place for Nairobi. I went to college in Nairobi, and when I was in college in Nairobi, uh, the university found it so weird to have a nomad boy in the university. It was so unusual. They don't have people from those areas going to school and making, they have never had a nomad in their college. So I was like a new, bo a new, a new, what do you Americans say? A new boy in the block or something like that. Or a new block in the boy. <laughs> yeah. I was a new kid in the block. Yeah. So, and uh, so in the college, they never called me Michael. They just called me Pokot. Pokot is the name of my community. You can either it was, I don't know. They, I was called Pokot for the four years just because they had never seen a nomad, somebody from the nomad region go to college. Yes, so, and even the professors too. And at the point where I was supposed to graduate, I was so happy and I felt I was ready to go back to the village and plant a church and a, or a school or something. At home, I just pre I preach also, because where there is no doctor, where there is no pastor, you can do all these things. Yeah, in a place where there is no doctor and those. So I wanted to go and do those things in my village and share this excitement that I had and the blessings that the super shepherd had done on my life. I had no, I had known Jesus at the time, but. When I was about ready to go back to, to my village, it, it was as if Jesus was like, okay, you know what? I'm not done yet with you. Because this is what happened. The dean of Daystar University called me one time and said, Michael, we know where you come from, and this is youth, but you know what? You are not going to stop here. We will take you to a college called Bethel, college in, in America. Yeah, that was Jesus visiting again in, in another fashion altogether. So, I didn't believe it, but he was serious. Say, yeah, these are the things we get you the visa from the U.S. Embassy and the next thing I was in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, at the airport. I happened to be one of the few if, if, if I don't remember anyone from that part of the nomad's world to have used the aircraft. 
So when I'm at the village, they ask me, how does it feel inside? Is it cold up there? Or Yeah, so many questions. So, <laughs> so anyway, I came here by the grace of God. I came to Bethel, and that is how I met uh, Nathan. And it was really, we met with Nathan in such a casual interaction, and uh, it's be, God has really expanded it. So he reached out to me and asked me, well, I've never had a black friend. Uh, what I, and he said, would, would you mind... <laughs> Would you, would you mind coming to, to Broomball? Then we went and played Broomball. <laughs> and then he took me around. He showed me so many things about America. He, he taught me how to drive a vehicle. I didn't know. He taught me how to drive, how to live in America. The, the food, American food, pizza, latte, lasagna. <laughs> he took me to his family. We went to their cabin. Yeah, Nathan really helped me out about America. Then I told him about my hardest boy story, the one I have told you. I said that again and again and again. We became really great friends. Yeah, but at the time when I was going back, he wasn't ready. I, want, I told him, let's go now to my village and maybe. So, but anyway, I knew he could come sometime. Or, yeah. After graduation, I went back to Kenya. And I went with a lot of uh, appreciation and fulfillment. I had the education. So I would go to my village and make and go back to Nairobi and get a big job and maybe work there, depending on how the Lord leads. As as things would turn out, when I go to my village, I found things were really difficult. There were a lot of cattle rustling, guns had gotten there, people were fighting and there were killings. I found my own brother; he was killed. About my my the people I knew were no more. It was a terrible state because new guns, machine guns, had come from southern Sudan, Rwanda, Somalia into the hands of people, tribes that were using spears and arrows before. Now they were using machine guns. So it was a terrible state. Then, even though I, was, I had this mind of going to Nairobi because that is where there are jobs, I was in a moral dilemma because there were children there. There were children I, could, I ran into some who were, just, who were freshly killed, and we would rush those ones to hospital. Yeah, so there were children there, and it, when I looked at them, and I was even raring to go to Nairobi, so it was like Nairobi or stay behind. Stay behind or go Nairobi. But even if I stayed behind, who, how would I, I? I didn't see what to do. I, I felt so inadequate. But in the process, I ended up staying behind. And I never even collected my diploma from Bethel because there was no time to go even for an interview. So I ended up working with these children, and that is how we've, the Lord has really guided the process. We now have a, an outpost called Daylight. And when we had the children, they needed food. So I wrote to Nathan, Nathan, I have children here. It is the same stories I was telling you, but this is now real life. The children are here. I told you the stories, but we have the kids here right with me. They need care. So Nathan was the first person uh, to swing into action. He shared what he had with, with me. Then the children were able to get food. After a given time, Nathan visited, and when he saw 
he thought of House of Mercy as the place to, to invite them on board and we do this for the glory of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. That has really happened very well. We now have daylight, which we, call, which we have a name for it. We look at it through different uh, perspective. It's God's outpost of love. These children from across the tribes, we pick up the pieces and bring there. That is exactly why I was. God picked me, and out of what was left of Katarasaling, he turned it around. I've had education. I've come to America. It's just amazing. The, those children stand a chance, and Jesus would want to revisit them you know, and do even more with them. So we have this outpost of love. We have this God's, I mean, God's workshop. Yeah, God is literally building a tribe, a new tribe, one based on love, peace, and, you know. So, and uh, I've come to the end of it, and I just want to encourage you that please hold this house of mercy. Hold it for the glory of God. I re pastor was saying you need 20,000. I would say this is... A, this is House of Mercy is more than a congregation or a church. It goes across Atlantic and many other places. So for the glory of God, we will continue praying for you. I know some of you will have opportunity to come to Kenya and visit our outpost of love. And that way, yeah, all the glory and honor shall be to him. God bless you.